0: back to strangers in my life um uh, here with john ugolini or ugolini yeah depending on who you ask yeah,
1: depending on who you ask
0: yeah so this is uh really the second part of our interview we got through a lot in the first part but we Karate were already round. yeah we read our our letter our cease and desist yeah from the pork advisory yeah committee or council Hopefully we don't hear from them again. Yeah, it's very strongly worded. Very strongly worded. Yeah. And borderline obscene. Yeah, borderline obscene. Yeah. So if you didn't some
1: poor word choices in there, <laughs> you know
0: they need some new lawyers. I think. <laughs> yeah, um, you know how we might start off this mm-hmm. second, you know, part two here. I don't know if this is going to be episode one point five or episode two. Right. We'll figure that out later. Um, But we might get to some listener questions. Okay. And these are real questions submitted by people who, if they haven't listened, they Mm. at least claim to listen. Okay. So they submitted these through uh, Facebook or Twitter or whatever. All right. So I should just remind people, again, simlpodcast.com. And I'm on the Twitter. Yeah. You could find a link to that. I'm going to start submitting
1: questions. Yeah. That sounds fun.
0: Yeah. I want to get people involved, you know? Yeah. Like, I want to make... Uh, this is something that they want to listen to, if only because they had something to like do with it. its kind right. of production, you know.
1: You're looking for your Philippe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. So uh, the first question comes from LD, actually, okay. or Dave Phelan, right? Somebody we went f- went to school with. Oh, nice. Uh, wow. He wants to know. Well, he had he had a, he had two questions. Sure. Well, actually, he had three, but I'm just going to pick. Okay. The one I think he really he wanted to ask. He was the only one that sent questions. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> I, no. Uh, but I'm going to pick the question I think he really wanted to ask, but sure. he was just kind of like couching in the other two questions. Right. So I, didn't, I wouldn't pick up on the fact oh. that this is really what he wants to okay. know. He wants to know, uh, John, what was your most
1: unusual physical experience? And it could be sexual. Uh, most unusual physical experience. This isn't the most unusual, but the first thing that came to mind, uh, because it was such a visceral, strong experience was in college. You remember when I was shortly involved with your neighbor, Tracy was her name? No. Oh that yeah, name? Yeah, was yeah. It Tracy? yeah. 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 hmm. Okay.
0: Right. Or was that her sister? No, it know. was Tracy. Yeah. Was it Tracy? Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, right. one time we were making out in her room. And this was like before I had lost my virginity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I didn't want to have sex then. Right. I wasn't about to uh, go down that route, especially because you were outside the door and other people on your dorm floor, you know, it was like one of those moments in college when you're like, People know that you're making out in there. That dorm, and you slid was, a note under the door. That
0: dorm was basically like that MTV show, Undressed. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, that's what it was. Like. I mean, I guess all dorms are probably like that. But yeah, yeah, everybody knows what's going on in that room and who's sure. in there. Yeah, so they they want to either. Uh, kind of eavesdrop right or they want to torment the people inside right like by playing some kind of prank
1: on them well let me tell you a little something you didn't know was happening in there all right so yeah let's get real let's get real all right yeah so we were making out and i we were on her bed and i think she wanted to have sex Mm -hmm. right but that didn't happen um because i came in my pants while i was like (laughs) making out with her and it was like this total like just you know like friction-based, sure, embarrassing experience. So then I played it off like nothing happened. Yeah. So she doesn't know. She she didn't know then. And as far as you well, know, if she did know, she was very nice, not for pointing it
0: out. Yeah. So what did you say then? I mean, that happened, and then you had to come up with an excuse just to kind of get yeah,
1: I out p- of there. I played it off. So you just let it ride for a I while. I let it ride an yeah. uncomfortable time, and I played it off like, oh yeah, we probably shouldn't do this right now. Right. But you know. I've got trig homework yeah i've know. got all of them yeah i've got to go help an old
0: lady cross the street yeah 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 so that was your you it's yeah that, that's pretty it's uh, good in high
1: school to have those experiences because <laughs> when you're homeschooled you don't have that baseline like middle know what the middle of the road is to right. call back to the first yeah, episode.
0: but it's interesting because you know even if you go to high school there's no guarantee you're going to have those there's more opportunities for those types of experiences i would have had that in high school I yeah think. you think so
1: yeah yeah certainly didn't get it homeschooling I,
0: well, <laughs> oh, <and laughs> yeah, if it right. did yeah you're going to be in therapy for yeah. a long time <laughs> <it did. laughs> yeah. uh so a different question this one was mm-hmm. submitted by ash she wants to know what you think or she has two questions but i -hmm. I, kind of like both of them uh the first one what do you think is the grossest body part
1: ooh grossest body part yeah um Hmm. i would say i don't want to go with any of the obvious uh but i think i don't know i think the the baby toe Hmm. i don't like how over time it kind of takes on its own identity. It kind of gets... You ever see, like, an old person's baby toe? It's like a miniature old person. Yeah. It kind of withers. Yeah, it withers, independent of all the other toes. It's like a hunchback toe. What happens to just that toe?
0: I don't know. Well, they say, you know, that it's uh, kind of unnecessary now, Hmm. and that over time, we'll evolve to not have that toe anymore. Interesting. That it doesn't really serve a function.
1: Wow. Okay, there you go. There you go. But
0: you think that's the... The grossest body part.
1: Well, the grossest probably butthole. <laughs> but I feel yes. like that's obvious. You know, I don't yeah. want to say that. I don't want to, you know, declass your show or uh, your podcast by. Now I'm gonna get a letter from the National
0: Butthole Association, yeah. and I'm gonna to have to read it next week. Uh, and her other question, which was a little more serious, but I thought would be kind of particularly interesting mm-hmm. to put to you because we've talked about mm-hmm. the arts and creation and all yeah. of that. You know, creative. Creative Enterprises, if you could make a documentary, what would your subject be?
1: Oh, boy. Are there any documentaries that Ken Burns hasn't already covered? <laughs> <laughs> that guy is, like, everywhere. What is he done? He's done
0: baseball, the Civil War, yeah. the uh, Prohibition one. Right? I just watched one
1: on um, the History of Radio, really? Empire of the Air, History of Radio Broadcasting. I watched another one on Mark Twain he needs to settle down he's he making does. everybody look bad you know Brayton has a theory that there are other Ken Burns that are like operating <laughs> under like Ken that, Burns guidance like
0: that Michael Keaton movie multiplicity yeah yeah he's
1: multiplicityed himself into several Ken Burns that are right now like they're like Google with Google Earth they're just out collecting data and making documentaries yeah if I made a documentary, it would probably be about Ken Burns. Ken Burns' multiplicity. Multiplicity. Theory. All right.
0: Yeah. I can dig up. I like that. All right. So where did we leave off in episode one? What mm. were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about performance. Right. right, yeah, because you've got your show. I actually just helped right. you read through some lines. Yeah, for you that. just helped me
1: read some lines. Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually
0: going to have a small yeah. little bit part sure in something are. you wrote yep. tonight. That's exciting.
1: I'm really excited about this that. It's gonna be fun. Actually. Yeah, the audience is great for this show. Yeah, I don't know why they pay fifteen dollars for it. <laughs> to be honest with you, because it's like the show is called Saturday Saturday, and I love it dearly. And I'm a like a PA production assistant on the show and also a cast member. Yeah, and. It's really strange. It's Saturday nights at the IO theater at 1030 at night. And the people that show up are, first of all, the people that show up don't know that it's all the young up and coming improviser people, like not the seasoned veterans at all. And the right. show's meant as a platform for people in the theater, mostly young people to showcase their like their material and write sketches, that sort of thing. But the crowd that shows up, it's a lot of like older people and people that are not all old people, but they're they're people that don't traditionally go to improv shows. Like it's very touristy. Mm. There are people that are at the theater because they've identified it. It's, like, identified it's it. right
0: on Clark, right? Yeah. Like just south of Wrigley. Yeah. Just yeah. Like a yeah walk so you're on gonna Rigley. get a lot of out of towners just kind of wandering yeah. around and say, "Oh, let's pop in there and see what's going on." Exactly. Here. And they don't know what they're getting into. They have no idea. No idea. Yeah. So something you mentioned actually in the first part, mm-hmm. but didn't really. Uh, uh, developer elaborate on was that how maybe one of the reasons you got into performance mm-hmm. was for some attention yeah in some way
1: definitely right um yeah i think it all goes back to the mom issues really yeah it's just her not giving me enough Damn, attention her. yeah she just i know right
0: well you know it's interesting because then part of you is like oh why'd you mess me up and yeah it's like if you didn't do what you did i wouldn't be doing all these
1: awesome I, yeah, things now that's the catch Twenty-two, or that's the the what the interesting conflict in that is like that's very much made me who I am, and I don't regret it, and right. I don't resent my mom for it really. And you can't while I'm working what, through that. Yeah. You know oh. but so but yeah, if I'm so there's that element of it, and then also I think missing performing in general, like that rush that you get as a performer, because
0: yeah, you used to be in bands. Yeah,
1: right. Uh, I just don't have time because I'm so busy with work now. Right, and this is like a way to get that fixed.
0: And as long as I've known you, you've really, there's been that part of your personality mm-hmm. that's been, uh, you know, at least on the surface, mm-hmm. extroverted. Right. And I wonder, because sometimes people say this to me too, mm-hmm. they think I'm really kind of outgoing, Right. Uh, which is interesting because I don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it's kind of, um, maybe not a defense mechanism exactly, mm-hmm. but it's something like that. Right. Uh, so if I, you know, if I meet up with friends at a bar or something and there's, mm. Um, you know, somebody's brought a friend or somebody's brought a family member, and it's mm-hmm. just somebody I don't know. Like, yeah. I flip the switch on, yeah. and I get very extroverted, them, and yeah. it's very performative. Yeah. And I'm basically doing like a stand up routine. Right. But it's really kind of to shield myself and maintain a distance. Right. Because I feel like, oh, if I just keep them laughing and I keep telling them a story, right. there's no lull here for them to really start probing and asking me questions about myself and get, getting yeah. into things I don't want to talk about, maybe. Man
1: interesting so i was going to ask you like because i agree i think that that's the interesting thing about comedy as an art form is that most comedians most performers really have some sort of similar motivation or i don't know if motivation is is the the right word but Mm -hmm. there's a reason why um it is not only gratifying on the surface there's some deeper level that it's it's like necessary yeah some kind of catharsis so how do you feel when you perform I mean, what do you enjoy about it?
0: Well, my performance is a lot more informal, right? right. Like I'm not ever on a stage right. or anything like that. Um, so for me, it's much more of like a product of my neuroses. Right. As opposed to something I consciously choose to right. do as a way to deal with something else. Do you have an urge to, though, perform um, on a grander I think level? I do, but I'm, af- I'm afraid of... Uh, I think there's a big part of me that's always been afraid of both failing and succeeding in a weird kind of way. Um, And I think it's mostly the fear of failing. Right. I'm afraid of succeeding only because that seems really foreign to me. And I don't know what that means or what that's going to feel like. So part of me is kind of, uh, you know, reluctant to try very hard at anything. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I've worked on we've talked about this in the past. But I've got, like, a document on my computer that basically mm. has, like, a 25-minute stand-up mm-hmm. routine. Like, it's written. Yeah. And it's fairly polished. But yeah. I've never done it. Uh-huh. Like, I'll I'll try out bits of it uh, just in conversations with people. Right. And they have no idea that that's what I'm doing. Wow, interesting. Know? But I'll, I'll just kind of, like, weave it into a conversation. Yeah. And I'll see how people respond to certain parts of it. And then I'll go home and I'll edit the document. You yeah. know, like, I'll, oh, I need to rephrase this. Or I need... I need a funnier word here or, right. or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, there, and I guess that might be also one of the reasons I started doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, there very much is um, like an, I have this desire to, to honestly get to know people that right. I think I know mm-hmm. better, you know, right. close friends and, and family members and things like that. But it's also a way for me just to kind of do something creative mm-hmm. and to, I don't know. Whatever, whatever's like inside, you know, you know, that itch, right? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Well, it's fulfilling. Yeah. You know, and you feel like you've done something. You feel like you've done something. And then if people respond to it. Right. You know, but I'm, I'm not convinced anybody's going to like it. Right. I don't have any kind of, uh, I have dreams, but no delusions. Right. That's probably a good attitude to have though. Yeah. But I think also if you operate that way you sometimes uh close doors on yourself right because you have to be somewhat delusional or somewhat crazy to really make a go for something yeah like even what you're doing at io Mm -hmm. um when you when that you know maybe when you were first talking with alex we talked about this Mm -hmm. in the first part of the interview when you were first talking with alex about doing Mm -hmm. something like there had to be part of you that thought even though this sounds exciting and interesting like it's it's insane like i can't i can't really do it
1: even now I'm surrounded by it at IO, like everybody, you know, pretty much most everyone at the higher level, once they've gotten through the program or a certain Mm -hmm. degree, a certain level of program, they, they have these ambitions of being on Saturday night live, being in movies. Right. And it's this weird balance because so many people have gone through that program and have succeeded. And it's known as like this hotbed of comedy, like a place to go in and I'll just cast three members from I O. Yeah, it's season. crazy.
0: If you go to like their Wikipedia page, yeah. right? They've got the list of notable alums. Right. It's insane how yeah. many people came out of there. And-
1: so it's ridiculous. It's this balance of. I've never my my goal is really just to to perform. I don't really have any aspirations of being on like Saturday Night Live or any big TV show or anything. But I more or less like the ride a lot. Interesting things happen, like I you get to know people and Mm. the people that improvise and that are in the comedy community are really like fascinating and interesting people like super intelligent. So it's a great way to not only meet people perform, but crazy opportunities come your way all the time. And it's just a fun ride. Yeah. Whether it's, I got cast into this Kate Winslet movie I was telling you about.
0: Yeah. John, let's take a quick break. And then when we come
1: back, see this is
0: good this is like what you're supposed to do on a (laughs) legitimate operation you're supposed to kind of tease people a little bit so they stick through the break (laughs) so we're going to take a break and when we come back john is going to tell us about the kate winslet movie yeah all right we'll be right back John, right? Yeah. There actually is no Kate Winslet story. We just teased you so you'd listen through the break. <laughs> right. No, there is. There is. All right, John, Kate Winslet, what's going on?
1: Okay, so I, I signed a non-disclosure agreement about this, uh, and they told me that they'd be monitoring my Facebook <laughs> and Twitter and ev- everything. Is that true? Really? Yeah. They really? made me sign a non-disclosure agreement, but I think I could talk about it in loose, the loosest sense of the fact. Okay. I can't go too much into detail. But I think I could tell you stories. I think they just don't want images getting out there and stuff like sure, that. Sure, sure, sure. So I got cast into this Kate Winslet movie just on on a on a lark almost. I, I just know somebody and happen to be friends with somebody that forwarded along this casting request. And it just so came to be that the casting director had seen me perform and, you know, had uh, enjoyed, you know, told me to submit like headshots to her. So... I just I was at work one day and I was bored, and I I wasn't gonna do it. I you know I'm like I oh, forget this. I'm not submitting yeah. to this movie. What am I gonna do? You know, because right. you just didn't think it could happen.
0: Yeah, yeah like it was a long shot happen. or something. Yeah. yeah, and I
1: don't take myself that seriously in my pursuit. Getting headshots was like, I felt like I was playing a joke on myself right. or something. I'm like, oh okay, this you know. Right. So I just I sent them headshots. I sent them my performance resume, and I think I just fit the profile of what they're looking for for this movie. Which, you know, basically I'm playing playing a lab attendant from this, in this futuristic society. So I went in for my fitting this morning. Yeah. So they fit me with my costume and you know, I'm not again not taking this very seriously. So everything that happens is just like I feel like this wide eyed kid, like, Oh wow, look at all this. Right. It was like a three Story tall green screen and there's all these cranes outside and they're shooting aerial scenes in the parking lot and all this ridiculous you're stuff. See,
0: you're seeing how they make the sausage. Yeah. Basically. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I get in there, I fill out all this paperwork, no. non-disclosure agreement, and I'm not disclosing anything outside of very surface-level details, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I got fitted that for my. Except
0: that you and Kate Winslet slept together.
1: It's yeah. Right? Yeah. You heard yeah. it here first. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to be in these scenes, four scenes, that they've told four me. Four scenes? Yeah. Wow. But I, I don't think I have any speaking parts. I don't know. Really, they haven't really said anything. I don't I don't believe I do. I'm just a lab attendant in the background doing stuff. Uh, but, yeah, it was a very surreal experience because getting fitted took a long time. It took like two hours. Why does it take so long? Are there just a lot of other people there getting fitted? And There are all these... Futuristic outfits, right? They've mm-hmm. never actually tried on the person. So okay. they like they collect your measurements and then they, they put you in them. And the one thing that was I had to wear this matrix style purple wow. futuristic trench coat. Right. Which as, I was super excited to wear.
0: As a lab attendant.
1: Yeah, as a lab attendant. Can you imagine if,
0: if the lab attendants in the future are yeah. dressed like that? Can you imagine what the cool people in the future are wearing? Exactly. We'll find out, hopefully.
1: Is Kate Winslet one of the cool people? Do we even know? I so. Have you read like the script? based on a book and Mm. when they were uh divergent is the name of it and they're shooting in chicago right now and they told me like (laughs) when i was getting uh you know because they put you in this this suit and then there's there's this like french guy who's obviously like the leader and he's like kind of the stereotype kind of bigger uh like kind of somewhat effeminate french guy who's like barking out orders right and whenever he's like super particular and he's telling everyone they're doing a terrible job. They're not doing it right. Right. And, uh, you know, like uh, with the adjustments that need to be made to the wardrobe and the jackets and tailoring things differently. And it's comical because whenever he gets like really worked up, he just starts speaking in French. And like only one other person understands him, which is like his assistant. So, yeah, they took measurements. And uh, it's based on a book. I know that it's going to be shooting this month i have four dates that i have to go to three or four dates
0: well it's nice that you have uh more than one scene to be in yeah it's like cut protection right if they end up cutting one or you're not just in the shot yeah i'll have a few more there's a pretty good chance you're going to end up in this thing somewhere yeah
1: that's exciting yeah i'm excited i'll try to slide something past them right a facial expression or
0: right Or just start uh, (laughs) ad-libbing in the
1: background, right? Just kind of,
0: like, weasel your way up into the the main action, right?
1: They're studying improvisation.
0: What? (laughs) Or just don't tell them, right? Like, wait till the cameras are rolling, whatever Kate Winslet's character's name is, right? Like, uh... Kiss her. Beth, or, or, uh, what would her name be? What what could you imagine her character's name being? Well, she's in the future. It's in the book, too. So, it's out there somewhere. Maybe, uh... Maybe maybe it starts with like a there's probably a Z and a Q in it. That's how I right. imagine names in the future. <laughs> yeah, Zarquar. They get
1: around <laughs> to using those letters yeah. more. Hey, Z- <laughs> they run out.
0: They run out of the common you know consonant
1: yeah. vowel combinations. So we, those baby books are in like used bookstores. Right. They're like these primitive ideas for baby names. They've been exhausted. Yeah. So you can just go up and say, Hey, Zarquar. I think oh. you dropped this. Right and it's just
0: kind of just work your way right into the dialogue there. What <laughs> cut I think you what? should you what? should try it at least on like the last yeah. day of your shooting. Yeah right? if you're scheduled three or four times then the yeah. last time, just go for it.
1: Yeah just what's the worst that could happen? I don't know you're already in the scene. Yeah. maybe they won't pay me. Wow. Well, yeah. yeah i don't really i'm not doing this for money anyway so mm.
0: you know one of the other things i want to talk with you about there's this thing called vine yeah right and i think they're owned by the Twitter people yeah right so vine for people who don't know is uh basically a video app mm-hmm. right for your iphone or whatever yeah. and you take these really short was it six seconds six second videos, but yeah. what's interesting about it is that you can cut right mm-hmm. like so you can almost do like stop motion type things, yeah. or which is pretty unique. Like I don't, I don't know of any other video apps that allow mm. you to basically like cut and then resume recording, yeah, kind of in the same file oh, sure. in real time. So it's it's interesting, and people are
1: doing interesting things with it. Yeah. You've been doing some work with the Vine. Very active, man. It's addicting. I'm always trying to think of Vine ideas. Vine. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I was <laughs> It's all I could think about. Because there's that gratification. What you should be thinking too. about is a better pun. A better pun, yeah. yeah. No, that's Pun's pretty good. Pun's not my fine, fine thing. Deals. Yeah, mm. so I don't, I, it's, and in the c- comedy community out here, yeah. like, everyone does it, mm. and you see some of the most, it's almost sometimes will make you want to just shut your door and not leave the house, because there's so many people doing it at such a high level. It's yeah. good, kind of competitive. Yeah. Um. It's just a way to exercise that creative yeah. part of your brain and. I like it as a way for not only to exercise the creative part of your brain, but to commemorate uh, like an idiotic or stupid idea or something that you like. Right. That's not enough of a like a kernel of a thought to like warrant anything longer than six seconds generally. Right. So there's there's just a lot of funny little moments that go kind of get swept under the rug or become inside jokes with groups of friends that kind of fit into that category.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because it is, you know, like I said, it's owned by the Twitter people, mm-hmm. right? And so like what a Twitter post is to a blog post, right? the Vine video is to like a YouTube video or right. something. Like exactly. it's short form and that's, yeah, it comes with its own constraints. But mm-hmm. at the same time, that's what leads to really interesting and, and creative right. results is because you have to work within these parameters. What can right. I do in only six seconds? Right
1: right the other day i'll have to say real quick yeah i was filming like you could become obsessed with them i filmed this vine video out in the street outside my place we had just gotten all this like rain right and the street was like partially flooded and i filmed myself doing this really stupid joke of like just looking at the puddle and being like what is this lake michigan (laughs) ha 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 like terrible joke and i look over my shoulders and no one's there to like you know, my car- I'm like upset because no one. Right. But I filmed, it took me like a half hour to film it, <laughs> six seconds. Yeah. And I'm standing in the street doing take after take, <laughs> after take after take as people are walking down the street, you know. Right. And people in the neighborhood, I think, started to become concerned because an old guy came out on his porch and like wandered out into the lawn and was just looking at me. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I, you know, I was kind of before I got comfortable, I would do a take and then I would kind of like wander around, look over my shoulder. I probably look really suspicious because I was looking to see if other people were looking at me. Right. Before I started filming. Which is the same thing you would do if you were waiting to like rob somebody. Right. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Um, you should have pulled the old guy in and made a Vine video with him. Wow, that's a good idea. Um, that's a great idea. Thought, well, maybe we'll go find him. Yeah. Um,
1: you want to get into relationship yeah. stuff? Let's I feel it.
0: like this is what people like to hear. Yeah, people love to hear this
1: stuff. Let's yeah. do it. They someone eat... submit a relationship question?
0: Well, aside from LD's question about weird sexual experiences, right. I don't know that I that have really... knows those, too. You have more of those? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, what's going on with you, relationship-wise, these days? Oh, boy. I'm not really... You know, like we said in the first part,
1: we see yeah. each other once in a while, but we yeah. don't
0: really talk on a regular basis. Well... I'm
1: not sure what's going on. You know, I dated for several, several years. I guess it would be about five years, Corey. Right. You know, so and we broke up and we've since broken up and gotten together like several times, like almost an embarrassing amount of times. I've never been one of those people
0: that Usually. happens to a lot of people though it does you know and they say the first breakup never sticks right and i think that's fairly common for people not everybody right. but a lot of people go through that where they'll break up with somebody once and then they get back together and then they break right. up a second time and then that's it right but you guys kind of multiple times multiple what was behind that well was it I, like a familiarity you guys just you felt like you had yeah. like this
1: history and it was hard to let that go a little bit And i'm still coming to terms with everything and right. i'm still trying to like resolve make sense of my feelings i'll kind of explain but you know we had a very great relationship for several years right and what had happened was we both had these kind of major life events happen in within our relationship at the same time like within the same span of like six months mm-hmm. or a year where she went through the transition of graduating college which is like hell huge in a relationship it's yeah. like a huge time uh and then the it, the course she was going to take with like her career trying to figure that out and then her mom was diagnosed with breast cancer yeah, and like some other personal things and yeah. then i had my dad pass away right um, my stepdad who basically you know r- raised me when i was a child so i was dealing with that and then all this other stuff and i'm a very 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 stubborn person and there becomes this point where like your problems become you can't like separate what really is the issue right it becomes I think I realized now that I was dealing with all this emotional stuff and creating like a wall, like emotionally because of all this baggage I have with my dad dying, mm-hmm. where my defense mechanism was just to shut down emotionally, like when things get stressful or things get difficult. And I was doing that in the relationship. Yeah,
0: like everything kind of gets everything in your world gets conflated. Right? right. So, you know, OK, this is the thing. And maybe it takes some reflection mm-hmm. and hindsight to realize right. this. But you say, okay, here's the thing that stressed me out, right? Right. Maybe it was your dad dying, you know, or for whatever it is for anybody. That's kind of the trigger. That's what's creating the emotional disturbance. Right. But then you just, everything else in your world kind of uh, becomes conflated in a way, and you're just like projecting this anger or sadness or whatever emotion it is. Onto like anybody within right
1: firing distance, yeah. Basically, and you mislabel things. Mm-hmm. I think the reason we broke it up and got it together so many times is that I was constantly mislabeling issues in the relationship, mm-hmm. and I would just have this stubborn attitude, like, "Oh fuck it, I'm I'm out. Uh, this isn't working." Yeah, you know. And without being stubborn and not being willing to really truly deal with the emotional issues I have with my dad passing, mm-hmm. is a big part of it. Yeah, and it became to this. It came to this point where like. I just keep thinking of, like, the scene in Christmas Vacation where, like, Rusty pulls out that big, you know, like, all the lights to, like, right right to right, right. put up on the house with mm-hmm. his dad, you know, Clark Griswold, and, like, it's just this jumbled mess, and he has to, like, untangle it, but that's, that's kind of what it is, like you're saying, these emotional issues kind of pile on top of one another, and these stressors, and then you don't even know what you're, like, upset about, and I would end up, like, mislabeling things, I think. So did you guys, like, just get to the point where you sat down and said, we need
0: to hash this out or was yeah. this like when did you start seeing your therapist was that something that happened after your
1: dad died like uh was that yeah. kind of a trigger for it no i should have earlier okay. and i you know so this is pretty recent then really. pretty recent yeah i would say probably like in october is when i started seeing a therapist oh, okay yeah so how yeah. often do you go do you go like uh a... i would go once a week if i could right but my insurance doesn't yeah, it. like 65 dollars yeah. a session so, yeah. so i go every other week that's your copay. you're paying 65 bucks the thing is, my copay is more than it for more than 65 for whatever reason. And then after a year, it drops down to like huh. whatever that's less than 65. I don't even know. Yeah. But my counselor was just very, she said, you know, she actually gave me a reduced rate. Mm. And she's like, this is as low as I can go. I don't think you should use your insurance. This, mm. this works out better for you in the long run. I see. Uh, or in the immediate future. Did I give you enough there? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't looking for anything in particular, yeah. you know,
0: just see what you just run it up the flagpole, see who salutes <laughs> my, yeah. uh, my high school teacher used to say that all the time. Run my history teacher. Flagpole. Yeah. He's, he had a bunch of sayings. He would say that, you know, uh, like if he said something crazy and nobody yeah. laughed, you know,
1: he would say, Oh, just run it up the flagpole. See who salutes. That's funny because my science teacher used to say. Uh, as a little a comedic aside to himself, if people didn't respond to something he said, he would say, meanwhile, back at the ranch. <laughs> <laughs> I do this thing when I'm teaching, you know, because all my
0: students are like 18, 19, yeah. 20. I mean, sometimes you get some older students, there, but right. average or right. uh, probably 18, 19. And so lots of my references uh-huh. are to things that they don't even know exist. That's depressing. You know, like I'm yeah. making... And I had a really interesting childhood. Like, I I think we've talked about this in the past, but I spent so many, like, what amount to years, really, of my childhood... Watching television. Yeah. like I would go out. I was I played baseball and right. I did things, you know But but at like yeah. at night I would just kind of go to my room. I had my own television, right? Nobody would bother me. <laughs> so I would just watch everything like I remember mm-hmm. going to school as like a nine-year-old and I'd watched Northern Exposure uh-huh. or something Not the kids watch Northern <laughs> Exposure So I'd have to like yeah. go I would get detention all the time in grade school Yeah, and I loved it because that meant I was around adults you know, for like that part of the Yeah. And so we would talk about Northern exposure or whatever. You know, I would play like practical jokes on them. I would buy mm-hmm. like these, you know, like the calculator that sprayed water. If you pressed a button, oh, I would, would like go yeah. in there and prank them and I'd get more detention. And I was yeah. like, you're not punishing me. I yeah. like being, you know, <laughs> but anyway, you know, and I would, we talked about this too, like a uh, Saturday Night live in the eighties since, yeah. you know, so I'm, I'm always referencing those types of things like middle aged man, you know, yeah. and, just crickets, you know. <laughs> so uh, when I'm teaching, I'll make these jokes and stuff. and uh, So I'll always do, like, Bueller. Yeah. Bueller, and then most of them don't get that either. I right, have Ferris Bueller? Right. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. They live in a different,
1: different world. What do you feel about this whole... Uh, there's this notion that each generation is more, like, self-obsessed than the last. I just don't have
0: enough... Uh, perspective i guess yeah i know my generation and i know people who are about you know 10 12 years younger than me that are kind of my students
1: yeah
0: but i honestly i don't they're different than i remember being you know at that age but i also have a terrible memory sure and so i think when i reflect on the past i always kind of um it's a little rosier than it probably was so I always think of myself, you know, sitting in like a, an undergrad lit class or something, right. like intensely taking sure. notes, being super interested in the lecture. Uh-huh. That I don't think that was really happening. I remember yep. I remember actually one time um, I was at my parents' house in like my old bedroom, I was my mom's always yelling at me to clean out like my old closet because right. she wants to store whatever in there. So I was going through and I found some of my notebooks from I don't, probably like sophomore, junior year of college and, like, it's one from a, a literature class I took. And I literally have just one page of notes in there from the whole semester, you know. But yeah. in my mind, like, right. I picture myself sitting there, like, just writing, like, writing, almost word writing. for word, yeah. everything. in the There's one page of notes, you know. <laughs> and I imagine if I I didn't have a cell phone right. back then, you I know, mean, I don't think many people did. I mean, they're yeah. capable of texting. I don't even remember. Um, I'm sure I would have been texting under yeah. the desk like I you know get get mad
1: at the kids when they do it now but i guess that's the problem with this study is like who truly really has perspective right right? like i've read and i think the thing is like kids
0: now kids these days yeah kids kids now they just have more ways to be obnoxious right right like they're not necessarily more obnoxious than we are kind of at their core right but they've got all of these different ways to express that obnoxiousness So they can go on the Twitter and they go on the Facebook and they go on the YouTube and they go on the text messaging. They go on the Vine. They go on whatever. Yeah. Right. Uh, And so they're just it's just like this whirlwind of obnoxiousness. Whereas back in our day. Right. It was more analog. Sure. Right. Like we could be obnoxious to somebody's face or maybe on like aol instant
1: messenger or something but that was yeah. kind of the extent of it i'll tell you what i worry about is i worry about the absence of like uh of creative thought a little bit like mm. the way i read this like neurological study that you the the way that you like process like creative thoughts um is primarily it's the same reason that you come up with ideas like the moment you go to, before you fall asleep or mm. while you're in the shower and some people call it the shower principle where like when your brain is preoccupied right. with uh, like a su- certain like motor you know or, or whatever sort of um, motions or movements or like a, a task that you can do without thinking, right. um, that frees up like the creative center of your brain, um, you know, to like run through, kind of run run wild a little bit, and you know be come. That's where you know sometimes you come up with like creative ideas, and I wonder if. And that's a real bastardized way of saying it. There could be some more elo- eloquently. But, no, it makes sense. But you know what I mean. Yep. But I wonder, like, because now, like, when I was a kid, and I'm sure when you were a kid, when you would go on a car ride, you would like stare out the window, right? Right. And you would kind of zone out, and you would kind of think about things. Sure. Whereas now, like, there's this, there's this, like, everyone fights this urge to like get on your phone and occupy every single moment of your day. Yeah. Like, they're talking about putting tvs inside bathrooms and they have already i've already stayed at the hotel yeah where i saw that happen yeah mario's wedding mario's wedding hotel yeah yeah
0: and the thing about that too like Mm. hotel televisions and remote controls in particular are gross enough i'm not touching anything that that i don't need to touch in the bathroom (laughs) yeah Last thing I wanted to talk about with you. Well, actually, there was so much I wanted to talk with you about that we just didn't yeah. get to. This has been fun. We yeah, well yeah, it has been fun. We have so many like stories. We've had so many like we went to Mardi Gras right. together. You know, we lived together in the yeah. purple house for a while. There were so many good stories, but I don't want it to become just like us telling stories. Yeah, like we're seventy-year-old yeah. dudes on a porch <laughs> drinking out of a bottle of whiskey that has like three X's on it. Yeah, I don't know that anybody else would find Save that too that for interesting.
1: an anniversary episode. Yeah.
0: Well, you can cut. Yeah, you can come back on. Um, But we do have this uh, common interest in professional wrestling. Oh, yeah. Which is interesting because Paul, who was on for episode zero, uh, he also enjoys professional wrestling. Uh Mostly from, like, the time that we were interested in. Right. Right. Like, maybe late 80s to kind of late 90s. Right. And actually after we recorded episode zero we went and watched the bret hart documentary have you ever seen that i think it's called Uh, wrestling Wrestling with with the shadows Shadows. yeah yeah um what was that like where does that come from for you is that just something you kind of ran into one day like a saturday morning randomly found it on tv that's
1: exactly how it happened yeah and there are reasons that that it stuck is that i you know initially it it was it was very taboo in my family to watch professional wrestling, right? It was like, right. It came on right after Saturday morning. Cause curtains. your parents were smart people. <laughs> That's yeah. why. And they're, like, yeah. Yeah. They're like, you're not watching this garbage. Right. This is for idiots and hillbillies. Yeah. But the first thing I saw was so compelling to me that I kind of became hooked after that. And that was the undertaker put the ultimate warrior into a casket. Right. Shut it. Right. Right. And then the smoke comes out. Right. They lift the casket back open. The ultimate warrior is gone and all that's left on the top of the inside of the casket is like these claw marks from him trying to claw his way out. Right. So it's, it was like
0: a soap opera. Yeah.
1: And right. a theater production and a magic trick. Right. Like all in one. Exactly. Like what is not to like. And I like that it's people essentially just messing around. Mm. I mean, obviously there's an art form to it and like, but... And, and there's a lot of skill and, you know, I, there's a lot of different quality. I don't mean to make it, you know, decredit it at all, right. But I like the idea that there's this element of make-believe to it. Sure. That makes it fun. Right. Um. Yeah. And like you said, soap opera. And I feel like, though, I very much hate... I love watching people pretend fight. Mm-hmm. And I hate watching people actually fight. It's so uncomfortable.
0: So uncomfortable. Yeah. I get instantly kind of nauseous yeah sometimes they'll show a clip on the news like oh here's a fight that broke out at the mall or something i get queasy instantly but like professional in like ufc i can't watch that i I don't understand the appeal at all i can watch people fake fight all day right professional wrestling sign me up i've
1: got an embarrassing amount of like old (laughs) wrestling dvds how do you feel when you watch like an old DVD like it's all I feel nostalgia. like so Yeah, it's all nostalgia yeah. for me. Yeah, um,
0: but I still I think there's a, There's at least a small part if not more right. of me that still like genuinely mm. Appreciates it. Yeah, like oh my god and I on a different level now Like I, I think we might have talked about this last time I was here actually yeah. um, When I was a kid I really didn't like macho man at yeah. all I hated macho man. Yeah, because then I only thought of him as a character Right. And I just didn't like the character, right. but now I could watch it. And this is going to sound so nerdy to like people who don't like professional <laughs> right. wrestling, you know, which is most people, I guess. But um, now I, I can watch it and I don't like sit around watching it all day, but you know, mm-hmm. once in a while I was like, oh, I'll pop that in. Uh, but now I can watch it and I see what Mantra Man's actually doing kind of like as a performer right. and what he does. To make other people look good, yeah, you know, which you at least when I was a kid I don't know about you But when I was a kid like I totally didn't understand that aspect of things It was it was much more two-dimensional right than that like oh here's the guy I like here's the guy I don't like right And I just want the guy I like to mm-hmm. win But now you can see kind of the performance involved in what this right. character does or this performer does to make the other one look better Right, you know, and I think so now there's the nostalgia that mm-hmm. I still get something from it makes me feel a certain way that i I guess i like or i wouldn't be doing it but then there's this kind of
1: new appreciation i have for it too i feel like that's why there's so many lifelong wrestling fans is Mm. it's a special moment and a lot of people have like a tipping point when that what you're saying it happens when they have the appreciation for the those other elements of the performance or professional wrestling like it's nice and i'm very nostalgic for being a kid and good guys, bad guys, and, like, I would get... It was so easy to suspend my disbelief and to just really buy into everything. But then there's something... The whole other level of appreciation, there's something special to be said for that experience you have, like, later in your life when you understand all that, those other elements of of professional wrestling. John, did you ever
0: see... Have you ever seen that video that Brayton and I made? when yeah, we were, have. You have The seen Backyard it? Wrestling yeah. video? Yeah, I've
1: seen it a few times, yeah. who? Ha- I want to see that. I haven't seen it since high school. I think I saw it. I, Brayton has a copy. And I'm pretty positive. Oh, really? He
0: needs to put that on the internet, He right? needs to put it on the internet. Well, I'll probably instantly regret it if he yeah. does, but... No, I don't think so. Oh, uh, that was so stupid. Maddie has a copy, and I think that's oh. where Brayton got it.
1: Yeah, I need to talk to those guys. That yeah. was so stupid. I can't even believe we did that. It's so funny. Yeah. and the- You took a real bad hit on that slide. You were power bombed
0: yeah. onto a slide. But it was... Be- and it wasn't... Yeah, I mean, that was the plan. That was stupid. We went... It was very stupid. <laughs> because I didn't think anything would go wrong. That's- you should make your mom watch that. Oh, God. They don't... My parents don't parents? even know that
1: exists. See what see what their
0: reaction was. Oh, meant. God. Well, and it's one of those things, too, that was so long ago. Yeah. You know, it was like 15 years ago. Yeah. That... I think they would be mad for about four minutes, yeah. And then they would realize, oh yeah, that was a decade and a half ago, and you're still <laughs> alive, so it's not right. that big of a deal. But that was the thing. I remember when we were kind of uh, choreographing that mm-hmm. thing ahead of time, and I said we were at our friend. I think we were at Marty's house doing that, and he's got this uh, like swing set in the backyard that has a slide on one side of it. I said it'd be really cool if we got ourselves up onto like the top of the swing set. And you power bomb me down the slide, but you know that you have to be pretty strong to pull that off. Yeah, and I was pretty small then too, so I wasn't even that heavy. Right. But you still have to be pretty strong just to be able to like pull a person up in that. If right. you don't know what a power bomb is, just go on YouTube or something. <laughs> power bomb. Um, but yeah, long story short, I got dropped on my head like squarely, pretty squarely, yeah. and just kind of like bounced off my head down the slide. Yeah. And the other funny thing about that night was that, um, well, we recorded that during the day, and then later that night, we went to see the Spice Girls concert. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God. Because we were working at the movie theater at that yeah. time, and a bunch of the girls from the movie, well, yeah. primarily girls, they wanted to go see Spice Girls. So we saw "All right,
1: That's great. Yeah. After we got done hitting yeah. each other in the head with garbage cans. You and know. you liked the Spice Girls a lot back then, too unapologetically or yeah
0: you know i mean i was into a lot of that weird stuff back then Uh and i think now i see the common thread was the kind of theatricality of it yeah so professional wrestling i liked yeah i liked the spice girls right i liked but i liked it because of the why i found some of them attractive obviously but you know it was because it was like a production there was so much involved um i liked kiss back then yeah it's the same you know it's all just all about like the the show and right blah, blah. um well all right we should wrap this up because we have things to do yeah. you have to rehearse and do some other things yeah. and i've got to try to find some way to watch this hockey game uh, i should say thanks again to our two executive producers Corey lockett and delbert bowers and remember to check out the website simlpodcast.com find a link to my twitter you can see credits there for the music you've heard before, during, and after this episode. And you can revisit past episodes there. But thanks so much, John. Yeah. I took up a lot of your time today, and I really appreciate it. It was yeah. fun.
1: I, yeah, uh, thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun. Cool. I had a great time.